Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. Of stepping into with our 21 days of prayer and fasting, uh, there's some things that I just wanted to encourage you on and help give us some direction and stir us uh, in that particular area as we get ready to just go after God in the big way. Amen. Is that all right with you? And again, I pray that it would stir our hearts just to really press in concerning the hour and the time in which we're living. Uh, you know, in the past, uh, uh, to be real honest with you, we kind of take, not kind of, we did. We took our 21 days of prayer and fasting kind of loosely. We did it sloppily in terms of how we really rallied you together, uh, myself. Just uh, Again, we did not do a good job. And so here's my point or my intention is that we as a church body would endeavor to pursue God starting next week. That we're going to set aside 21 days and go after God with a great intentionality to see God move. How many of you want God to move in your life? How many of you want God to move in your family, to move in your church? Come on. We need God to show up in a big way. It's time for a move of God. It's time for an awakening. It's time for revival. It's time for the fire of God to fall afresh in this hour that we live. Amen. I want to see the power and the fire of God fall within our church, in our families. I want to see people get excited to serve Jesus, not just if it's convenient. I want us to have a heart that is passionately pursuing God in this time. Amen. And so, with that being said, just some things that I, uh, my, my daughter, she was watching a program. Uh, it was a news program. I mean, go figure, a, a teenager watching the news. But it was Saturday afternoon. She was watching this program, uh, news program, and it was talking about the state of the affairs of the church and people of faith in our nation. And it was very interesting because they were talking about the, the massive decline in the hearts of people concerning their walk of faith. The statistics, they said, actually shows that 83% of people actually believe in God. But they said there is a vast majority that is exiting the church, that they're walking away from their practices of faith. And even within the, this current generation, Generation Z, that the majority of them are saying, we believe in God, but we just don't have time for God. We're too busy. There's too much going on. In fact, for that matter, I don't want to have to go to church on a Sunday. I want to be able to sleep in. Are you hearing me? 
This is the hour and the time in which we're living where many people are saying they believe in God. But how many of you know that believing in God does not get you to heaven? And I want you to hear me, grandmother and grandfather, moms and dads, brothers and sisters. I want you to hear that statement, believing in God does not get you to heaven. Having a relationship and receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is what gets you to heaven. Amen. And you might say, what does that look like? Well, there is a corresponding action to being a Christian. Sometimes, most of the time, there's not corresponding action to people that say, well, I believe in God. Are you hearing me? Now, they did say this in regards to the statistics. They said, it seems as though it's the older generation that seems to be more committed in their uh, participation in actions or, or, or faith-based type uh, uh, experiences, such as going to church. It seems as though it's the older generation that tends to be more uh, faithful in their practices. And again, when you start to think about that, well, as you start to look at society and the passing down from one generation to the next generation, uh, we see that there was a culture uh, many generations back that were very committed in their walk with God and their church attendance and their acts of faith and service towards God, right? And through the generations that began to dissipate. But I believe that there are some older generations that have reflected back in the way in which they were raised. And that they're now coming back to serve God. But if the current generations of this present generation and the generation before. If they've walked away from God. Then what that tells me is that there is an older generation that was not faithfully serving God. And therefore as they began to raise up their children. There was a household that did not honor and worship God. And therefore there's a younger generation that has walked away from God. I believe in God but I don't have time to serve God. Does that make sense? So even though there is an older generation that says that they are faithful and committed to their service toward God and their commitment to go to church and all the other things that go along with it, there was a failure that we're seeing as a result of how they raised the next generation. Amen? But now, even though that sounds doom and gloom, listen, here's something that I want you to know. This is the hour that God is moving. This is the hour that God is pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh. And so this is the hour that we are going to be taking back our church. This is the hour that we're taking back our schools. This is the hour that we're taking back our city. And this is the hour that we are taking back our families. And the Bible says, as for me and my house, we are and will serve the Lord. Amen. I'm telling you what, if you're hanging around here long enough, you're going to find yourself being convicted uh, to, to move towards God. And you might say, I don't like being convicted. Lord, I'm not talking about condemnation to make you feel bad, but conviction will cause you to move. Amen? I said conviction will cause you to move or make a turn. And personally, I like it when God convicts my heart. I like it when God begins because it just shows the love of God that he loves me enough that he hasn't given up on me, that he still cares about me, that he still sees that there's hope in me, that he's still pulling on my heartstrings to say, take a turn, come and follow me. Amen? This is the hour in which we're living that God is moving and that there is an outpouring of the Spirit of God. God said that again, this is the time that I will pour out my Spirit on the old and the young. This is the time that I'll pour out my Spirit on your sons and your daughters. Come on, there was a generation where I saw young people, teenagers that were passionate in their pursuit for God. 
that they would be at the altars, hands raised, tears streaming down their face. But we're coming back to a time where a young generation is going to be on fire for God. In fact, there is a young generation that's going to take a turn. We might look at it now and say, I don't see how it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. But God is moving in this younger generation. And there will be a younger generation that begins to lead the older generation with a fire and a vigor and a hunger to know who God is. Amen? I don't know if that excites you, but it excites me. There is a way in which we can provoke God. I said there is a way in which we can provoke God. I know from the, uh, the surface you think, well, I, I provoke God. Does that mean that I'm manipulating God? Well, let me ask you, can you be provoked? Are there things that can provoke you? I would say yes. In fact, I could prove it if you want to. I'll just come and slap you upside the head. <laughs> what's it good it's going to provoke you right and if i pick the wrong person i i might slap you upside the head and you give me another slap upside my head right because i've provoked you to move but god says i like to be provoked and because of our heart and our faith towards god we can move towards god and provoke him to move praise god do you realize that god is not waiting we're not waiting on God. He's not just waiting to do something. He's waiting for us to say, God, we're ready. God, we want more. God, we want you to move. And when we begin to learn how to provoke him, we'll see God show up in a miraculous way. Well, one of the things that we see concerning the scripture in regards to provoking God, we see that we can provoke God through times of prayer and fasting specifically. The scripture shows us, shows us time and time again that there have been victories that have won, been won. There have been promises fulfilled. There have been miracles that have been manifested as a result of God's people provoking him in times of fasting. Amen. I said from the front of the Bible to the back of the Bible, we consistently see God being moved and provoked by His people saying, God, we are going to pursue you in times of prayer and fasting. And really, it's been something that has been overlooked within the church. And to be honest with you, I've been somewhat complacent or lackadaisical about it myself. But times of fastings are times that we can begin to move God. Remember, God said this, whatever you do in secret, I'll reward you openly. Amen. So when we fast, what are we doing? There's been many times we see in the scripture where leaders and kings have called for fast of the nation. Well, so obviously everybody knows that there's a fast that's going on, but what's happening or taking place within your home is your secret place. And so as we come together in a corporate time of fasting, there's going to be your secret place where you get into the presence of God. And as you begin to pursue God's face, God is going to begin to reward openly. And I believe that we're going to consistently see things happening here, happening here, testimony here, testimony here of what God is doing. God showed me this. God said this. I saw God perform. There's a miracle that I want to share a testimony because God has been so faithful to me. Amen. What we do in secret, God will reward openly. So what is fasting? 
I realize for the church, oftentimes there's a lot of misconception or misunderstanding or really the lack of knowledge concerning fasting altogether. What is fasting? Well, first of all, fasting is not just eliminating food. It's not just going out without eating. If that's all it was, you would call that dieting. It's refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. I said it's refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Amen? Fasting brings people into a more intimate relationship with God. It eliminates, or by eliminating food within our lives, it allows ourselves to become more spiritually in tune, and our spirits become uncluttered. Now, just for the sake of making reference to this, I don't have time to really get into it. But you realize that you're made up of three parts. The Bible says that you are a spirit. You live within a physical body and you possess a soul. Your spirit man is the real you. This physical body is what you have to live in in order to live in this earth. <clears throat> Excuse me. And your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Most people, and well, I say all people that are not followers of Christ, and most Christians are led and governed by their natural man, their physical man, and their soul or their mind, their will, and their emotions. There, there, there's a very small minority of Christians that actually are led by their spirit man. Do you know what I mean by that? Your spirit is what follows after God. It's your spirit man that hears from God. But when your physical man is in control of everything that you say and do, when your mind is all scattered and corrupted by everything within the world, how many of you understand that it's hard to be led or have your spirit in control or in the driver's seat because your flesh and your emotions wants to take the wheel, right? And so as I said, when you begin to refrain from food, what it does is it begins to cause the body, the natural man, to come into subjection and it allows your spirit man to become uncluttered. Let me give you an example of that. Anybody familiar with Adam and Eve? You know who they are? Adam and Eve was the first man and the first woman. It was the first man and woman of God's family. And you know the story if you've heard it at all or read it maybe by chance the Bible says that they were in the garden and the Bible says that you can have and eat anything and everything in the garden except from this particular tree it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil he says this do not partake of and do not eat and the Bible says that as they were being being tempted by the enemy the enemy comes and he says what he says, you want something to eat? Isn't it interesting that the temptation that the enemy came, the very first temptation that we have record of in the hearts of men has to do with food. And he says to them, this is going to be good for you. And then Eve says, well, God says we shouldn't eat that fruit. And he says, oh, now did God really say that? So what's he doing? He's getting their mind and their hearts cluttered because they began to take their eyes and focus off of God and their appetite got the better of them. 
And because they succumb to their appetite of the flesh and partook of the food, we are paying the price for it still today. Come on, I'm telling you what, having the ability to control your appetite will do wonders for you spiritually. Somebody say amen. Psalms 42. The writer of the, the Psalms says this in Psalms 42, chapter 1, or excuse me, chapter 42, verses 1 and 2. He says this, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul or my spirit in this particular verse pants for you, my God. My soul or my spirit thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Did you hear what he said? He said, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsting, but my thirsting is not for natural things. My thirsting is for God. There, there's a craving in my heart, my spirit. And again, it says soul, but actually the translation is spirit. My spirit is thirsty for God. God, when can I come and meet with you? Can you hear the longing? When's the last time that we've had a longing in our heart? God, oh, I just want to meet with you because there's such a craving in my heart to have fellowship. But we find ourselves so distracted at so many times. His spiritual hunger was greater than the natural. I said his spiritual hunger was greater than his natural hunger. He was pursuing God. In Matthew chapter 6... Jesus lays out some principles for us. And he says to us, he says, there is a principle of seeking first the kingdom of God. And he says, when you seek first the kingdom of God, all these things shall be added unto you. But there's interesting, and we won't take the time this particular Sunday to, to go into these, but there's three things specifically that stand out in Matthew chapter 6. In verse 33, he says, now, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. But prior to that, he says, there is a formula that causes you to enter into this. He says, first of all, there's some giving. Secondly, there is some praying. And thirdly, there is some fasting. Now, again, I want you to pay attention to what I just said, because I'm going to bring that to light in some verses or some scripture that I show you later on. He says, all these things shall be added unto you when you seek me first. But then again, preceding in chapter 6, he says, it entails giving, it entails praying, and it entails fasting. How many of you want to seek God first? Amen. I want to seek Him first. At least that's my desire. That's my want to. Do I always do that? No. But that is my desire. That's my want to. When we look at Jesus' ministry, oftentimes it's very easy for us to say, Jesus performed miracles. He did signs, wonders, miracles. He raised the dead because he was Jesus. He was God in the flesh. And the scripture says that, yes, he was God in the flesh, but he also, the Bible says, he laid down his deity and became 100% man. So in other words, he was the prototype. I said he was the prototype. And actually, the Bible says he became the last Adam. In other words, he came to fix what the first Adam broke. 
right? Now, we don't see Jesus doing any miracles. We don't see him casting out devils. We don't see him uh, uh, healing blind eyes or uh, uh, making the lame walk or raising the dead before a particular occasion. The Bible says that he was led into the wilderness to do what? To be tempted, but when he was in the garden, he fasted for 40 days and nights. Amen. And so, his ministry and the power of God that was released in his life to perform the miracles began with him fasting. Because there is a power supply that comes in the midst of your fast. It taps into the power of God to begin to move in your life. In fact, that, for that matter, he began to fast. He set up, uh, aside the first. And when fasting became the first thing that he did, it set the stage for the rest of his ministry. I'm here to tell you that as we begin to get ready to fast here in this next week, it's going to set the stage for this next year. You might be worried about what's going on with your kids at school, but when you take the time to fast, you can be confident. My prayer has turned loose the power of God, and there is power available three months, six months, nine months down the road because I took the first and began to fast and pray, and my family is protected. Amen. I said that Jesus' ministry did not begin until he started it with a fast. And as I said, the Scripture calls him the second or the last Adam. How did Satan tempt the first Adam? With food. How did he tempt Jesus in the garden? He said, I know you're hungry. You haven't eaten for 40 days. He said, come on, turn, this, turn these stones into bread. Right? So once again, the enemy was trying to tempt through the portal of the stomach, or through your natural hunger. Come on, somebody say amen. <laughs> amen. Come on. God is wanting us to learn the power of fasting because when we learn how to fast and the power thereof, it begins to set things in motion, motion for days ahead. If you recall, we shared this just uh, within the last couple weeks concerning uh, Matthew chapter 17. It's, it's the story of the man that had the, 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 the boy that would, uh, was tormented by, by uh, uh, demons. And it says that he would have uh, uh, spasms, that it would throw him into the fire, throw him into the water, right? And the Bible says that he came to the disciples. And he says to Jesus, he says, I took my son to your disciples... And they couldn't do nothing for him. He said, now, if you can do something, will you please heal my boy? And the Bible says that Jesus ministered and healed the boy. Right? But then the Bible says that the disciples got Jesus, pulled him to the side later on, and started to ask him questions about this particular event. And the Bible says that Jesus rebuked them for their lack of faith. He said, you should have had faith for this particular scenario. He said, don't you recall, I'm paraphrasing here, putting my own spin on it, but don't you recall the Bible says that Jesus said to them, I give you power to cast out devils, to go heal the sick. Did he not already empower them to do so? Yes. And had they had some success in their own times of ministering to people? Yes. But they said, how come this one did not work? 
And he says, well, first of all, let me know, let you know something. Nothing shall be impossible. Say that with me. Nothing shall be impossible. Say it again. Nothing, no thing shall be impossible. And then he turns to his disciples after making that statement and he says, but this kind, but this kind only comes or is delivered by prayer and fasting. Amen. So what does that mean? That means that there is a power that God has given us just as believers, but there is a power source and a supply that is available to deal with every demonic attack against your life. And sometimes it just might require you to fast, to press into God and tap into the power. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about getting into works mentality. Think, dear God, do I got to fast enough? Do I got to do this or do that? No, it's just me. In fact, I'll say it this way. Brother Hagen, Reverend Kenneth Hagen, he said this. He said, oftentimes people try to get into uh, uh, a works mentality, if you will, of fasting here and fasting there and how long should you fast. He said, I just choose to live a fasted life. I just live a fasted life. In fact, one of the things that Brother Hagen was known for is that he used to love Dr. Pepper. That was his beverage of choice, Dr. Pepper. And it came to the point where he said, you know what? Dr. Pepper is not going to have a hold on my life no more. So I'm purposing to fast Dr. Pepper. I won't drink that Dr. Pepper no more because I'm choosing to have and live a fasted life. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying this out loud and making any kind of declaration, but I'm just saying coffee is one of those things that, you know. <laughs> and if God said to me, hey, listen, I want you to cut out coffee. Woo. I mean, that's, that's a fasted life. So you might think, well, Dr. Pepper, what's the big deal? Well, what is it that you give yourself to that really is something that you kind of have as a crutch? Like I said, I like my coffee. Thank you, Jesus. Please don't ask me to take it away. <laughs> Amen. And so once again, Jesus said that prayer and fasting is significant and important. Once again, concerning Jesus' ministry, Jesus started his ministry by fasting. If Jesus could have done what God called him to do without fasting, we would have seen it. But we continually see that Jesus would take and get himself away to go spend time in prayer. He started his ministry by fasting. And Jesus is our example. And as Jesus already said, he said it to them and he's saying it to you. Nothing shall be impossible. We have scripture references all through the Bible that tell us there's a significance in times of fasting. You remember the story of Daniel. That Daniel was praying and he was seeking the face of God and he began to fast. And when he fasted, the angel Gabriel came with a message. How many of you have ever had the angel Gabriel show up at your door with a message from God? Is it possible? Certainly. But we see for him, it began. This supernatural encounter that he had began with a fast. And the Bible says that the angel Gabriel came and says, Listen, the prince of Persia, 
The spiritual demonic entity that is wreaking havoc in your life. He said when you began to seek the face of God, God began to go to work on your behalf. And he says, and I've been warring against him for the last 21 days. And he says, and I'm not done yet, but I've come to tell you, you've already got the victory. Amen. Glory to God. See, fasting taps you in to the power of God. It begins to set things in motion. Praise the Lord. And so my question for you is, does your stomach have power over you? Does your stomach have power over you or do you have power over your stomach? Let me give you a couple different examples here in regards to Scripture. One that I've already made mention of is concerning Adam and Eve. Where did the temptation come? It came through the stomach. Now let me uh, give you a side thought here. The Bible tells us that the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. And the Lord searches the inward parts of the belly. So in other words, the scripture makes references that your spirit man is in the core of your being. If you're purposing to be led by the spirit of God, oftentimes you'll have a knowing on the inside. Not from your intellect, just a knowing on the inside. Why? Because the core of your being is your spirit man. Isn't it interesting that your spirit man, God references to your belly, and it is your belly that often has an appetite that gets you in trouble. Right? And so what did the enemy do to, to Adam and Eve? There was no sin. In fact, let me just give you a heads up. There was no sin. There was no temptation. There was no fall of man. They surrendered to their appetite with no extra help. So I'm telling you what, you've got an upper hand even more so than what Adam and Eve did because you deal with the sin nature of man and you're walking in the light and the, the, the privilege of what Jesus came to do and so you've got the victory. Amen? Amen. But once again, they succumb to the appetite of their stomach. Another example that I want to bring to your attention is over in Sodom and Gomorrah. When I say Sodom and Gomorrah, the thing that comes to mind is obviously what is known as homosexuality or the, the great perverseness and immorality of the people. But there's some things that are overlooked concerning that and obviously is what is the entrance or the open door for it to happen. Remember I said that in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 there is a biblical principle that Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. But I said prior to that, if you'll look in the scriptures, you'll find that there was a call for a time of prayer. A time of giving and a time of fasting. Look at what it says here in Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 16, starting in verse 49, it says this, Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride. So in other words, no prayer. Fullness of food and abundance of idleness. Or one translation says, Gluttony. So there was no fasting. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor or the needy. No giving. Verse 50. And they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Therefore I took them away as I saw fit. Could it be that the appetites of men could be overcome if we would learn just to put our cravings into subjection? Amen. 
Is it possible that our fasting can tap into a power source that can usher in a move of God? I believe that there is. I believe that as we come together in this time of prayer and fasting for 21 days, that there is going to be an increase and an intensifying of the presence and the power of God. I said to you that this church is filled front to back, side to side, and there is multiple services that are happening here at GVC. Why? It's because there is a move of God that is here in this place. Amen. And if you want to get in the move, just jump in. If you don't jump in, you might just get stepped over. But I don't know about you, but I'm not going to miss out. Praise the Lord. I'm stepping into the move of God and I'm going to see everything that God said and I'm going to see him fulfill the promises that he said concerning this church that we are called to be the church of the greater Flint area pastoring this city. I'm telling you what, there are great days ahead for this church. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about a building. I'm not talking about a business. I'm talking about a people, praise God. He's going to do great things in our lives and he's going to use us in great ways. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. You remember also I said that there's some scriptures in regards to fasting or just the appetites of man. You know the story of Esau and Jacob, right? You remember that story, don't you? You remember that Esau had the birthright. He had the blessing. In fact, the, the Bible says that when his father died, he was going to get a double portion of his father's blessing. But you remember the story. He was out hunting, came in, and his brother was making some beans and some soup and some stuff. And because he was so hungry, he said, give me some of that to eat. And he says, I will give you my birthright. Or in other words, that which belongs to me, that which is the promise of God, I will give it to you if you give me something to eat. And the Bible says that he dishonored his birthright. He dishonored his birthright. Amen. All because of the appetite of the stomach. You see, the stomach has a way of moving us. And controlling the stomach and the appetite thereof can tap us into the power of God. Obviously, there are different kinds of fasts that we can look at. There's fasts that are three days long in the Word of God. 21 days, 40 days. There are partial fasts. Uh, there's the Daniel fast where it's just a matter of cutting out all uh, like real heavy foods, just some fruits and vegetables and juices and things of that nature. Now, we're entering into a 21 day of prayer and fasting, and I want you to consider what you're going to do. How are you going to pursue God? How are you going to uh, 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 bring into subjection the cravings and the appetites that you have? As I said, you might be somebody that says, well, I'm just going to purpose to stop eating my broccoli. <laughs> Not going to eat those Brussels sprouts, praise the Lord. Right? No, I'm not talking about just going on a diet. What are you going to do to crucify the flesh? To quiet the voice? Now, I'm going to tell you, you're going to face opposition. There's going to be a battle because your flesh has an appetite. You might say, well, i got some physical conditions where I cannot fast food because of whatever that might be. Listen, there's something that you can fast. There's something that you can modify to come and surrender yourself before God. Amen? Once again, this isn't a matter of just giving up food. That's a diet. I'm talking about pursuing God. 
If it doesn't matter to you, it won't matter to God. He's wanting you to pursue Him with a heart of saying, God, I want you to move. I need you to move. And therefore, my prayer and my fasting is not just sustaining from food, but it's adding the Word of God and prayer to my diet. It's not going without, but it's actually feasting on the spiritual manna from heaven because God wants to move. The statistics show us that if you'll do anything for 21 days, you'll create a new habit. If you can be a new person at the end of 21 days, if you can be a new person that has a hunger and a fire for God after 21 days, if, if your physical body can go from a place of being sick and beaten down, but now being healthy and whole, if you can go in the next 21 days and come out on the other side where a marriage is restored, if you can come out on the end of 21 days and see that your children have taken a turn and now want to serve God, if you can see that you can become a new person in 21 days, what is the holdup? Let's radically jump in and pursue God and do whatever it takes. And if you'll take a step towards God, He'll take a step towards you. And there is a supernatural grace that God will give as a result of you saying, God, I want to pursue you, and I'm taking a step of faith. I want to know God's voice. I want to know God's voice, especially in this time. And let me encourage you, Mom and Dad, if you've got young ones at home, I encourage you to invite your kids to be a part of the fast. I'm talking about kids that are old enough to understand. Invite your teenager. Hey, let's go on a fast together. Let's go after God. Because God can visit your young people. I said God can visit this younger generation. Is God going to visit you? I said, is God going to visit you? There's a couple of you that said yes. I don't know about you, but God's going to visit me. God's going to visit my home. The glory of God is going to be manifested in a great way. There's going to be a difference within this church. There's going to be a countenance that's on me when I begin to get into the presence of God. You know, the Bible says that when Moses got into the glory, it says that the people saw the countenance of him change. He began to glow. I tell you what, I'm getting ready to glow. Amen. I said, I'm getting ready to glow. You may say, what does that look like? It might just be the love of God being more in demonstration. Amen. But I'm getting ready to glow because I'm going after God and I'm going to have a move of God in my life. Amen. If you will, turn in your Bible. In fact, bring that up, will you? Joel chapter 2. I didn't bring my Bible for some reason. I ran off and forgot it. So I just have the reference. Pull that up, if you will. Can you pull it up on the back screen? Joel chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 and verse 28. Joel chapter 12. It says this. Now therefore says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart. With what? With fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Verse 13. It says, so rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. 
slow to anger, and, great, and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Did you notice how it said? It began by saying, we're pursuing God, or he's pursuing God in the fast, going after God because he's good, <clears throat> going after God because he has a desire and a hunger to meet with God. Now notice what it says in verse 28. This is what we're very familiar with. It says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. He said, I will pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. But he preceded that by saying, go fast. When we purpose to pray and fast as a church, what's getting ready to happen? God's getting ready to pour out a spirit. I said God's getting ready to pour out a spirit. Well, it's just going to be those old committed ones. No, it's not going to be just the old fogies that are committed in their church attendance. He said old and young, men and women. So man, there's a revival that's getting ready to break loose in our teen ministry. Praise God. There's a revival getting ready to break loose in our kids' ministry. Praise God. Why? Because he said he's getting ready to pour out his spirit. Come on, say it with me. Say, I want it. Let me finish by saying this. Satan hates fasting believers. He hates it when you decide to be more than just the mediocre, casual Christian. He hates it when you decide to be more than just the Sunday morning church attender. Because he knows that there is a power that is released from God when we purpose to fast. He tempted Jesus, he's going to tempt you. We know that the Bible says that he comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And he certainly doesn't want you to come to discover that all things are possible. I said all things are possible. Will you stand with me? As we get ready to enter into this time of prayer and fasting, and we're going to stir you up next week. We're going to continue to stir you to the point that you can't help but run after God. I was talking with a pastor friend of mine. He was actually my youth pastor when I was a teenager. <laughs> And he saw me at my best and saw me at my worst. And he was one that purposed to pray with my parents. I remember coming home one night. I'd been out doing my thing. And I tried to slip up the stairs just so that I wouldn't give myself away. But as I walked down or walked past the downstairs, I saw mom and dad and my youth pastor and his wife praying for me and I'm in the ministry today as a result of it he was telling me the story of his brother-in-law he and I just went to a PGA, PGA golf tournament a couple weeks ago and we were talking about this and I asked him I said hey how's your brother-in-law doing and he said oh he's doing good he said in fact he's the pastor's right hand man just has a heart to serve God 
And he said, and I remember that day when he took a turn. He said he never wanted to have anything to do with God. Always rejected God. But something happened in his life to where God got his attention. He ended up losing his marriage because the wife was tired of his playing around. And it broke him. And it was in that moment of being broken before God. He says, God, I need you. And my pastor friend that was pastoring the church at the time, he said it was Saturday night and he said to his wife, he said, if Mike comes to church tomorrow, he says he's going to get saved. And he said, church started. And sure enough, there's Mike. And he said that the music began to play in the first song of praise and worship. And in the first song, he said, Mike come running down, fell at the altar, and gave his heart to Jesus. No invitation. Just people that were praying and fasting and asking God, move! Move! We need a move! And there was a move of God. And he said, when I saw my brother-in-law at the altar, he said, I took off running around the church. He said, I couldn't contain myself. He said, everybody just started watching me. And he says, I don't know why you're watching me. He said, if you was to have somebody that was lost and come home and get saved and go into heaven, you'd be running too. I'm telling you, that's the hour that we're in. God's moving. The greatest miracle is somebody that gives their life to Christ. And this is the hour. God's building the church. Let's go after God. And let's build His church here at GVC. Can somebody say amen? amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you're moving in this place. God, I thank you that you're stirring our hearts. The scales are being removed from our eyes. The hardened hearts are becoming softened. Those that have rejected and pushed you away are now having a longing and a pulling and a drawing unto you. For you said it is the Spirit of God that draws all men unto you. So God, I thank you that you are moving in this hour. And God, we're endeavoring to say, God, we're going to pursue you in Jesus' name. And we thank you for this move of God in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. That's it. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year where you'll see restoration in your family? Or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life? We would love the opportunity to help you in that. If you would like more info or if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. You can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, loving life.